following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Welcome in here, and I guess this honestly feels a little weird to say, but Brandon, welcome into the batting order beat. We are a baseball podcast. We are, of course, for those of you who have been following for a very long time, formerly MLB Daily, bringing you daily baseball content throughout the regular season. Uh, before we get into you know, introductions and the pleasantries. Obviously, based on the name, we have decided to go with a bit of a remodel and a rebrand here for the show. We will, rather than providing daily content, we are going to be providing content to you three days a week. And hopefully with that, be able to bring a lot better quality, answer some of your comments, concerns, and put together more interesting and more versatile content with the time that we're going to have now. So, of course, you know, I had a great, great winter. I'll start there. But, Brandon, how are you doing? LJ, doing great and so excited uh, to record this first episode of the Batting Order Beat. Um, by the way, we still are on episode 400 and whatever. Like, guys, don't, 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 don't worry. We're not restarting. Um, but, yeah, you know, LJ and, a lot I, slower now. <laughs> LJ and I sat down Um over our spring break just a few weeks ago and uh decided that we thought it was time for a little bit of a change to our podcast just because we both are college students who are juniors and the workload is quite significant and then adding a daily baseball podcast onto that um especially with you know our summers you know, I'm, I'm interning somewhere. LJ has his own stuff that he's doing as well. Um, just makes it so three days a week, we can get much better quality content um, to to all of our listeners. And thank you for sticking around. We're so excited for season three of our in-depth coverage of the MLB. And uh, yeah, LJ, do we want to uh, right here in the beginning kind of give what our schedule is going to be for, for opening week? Yeah, so currently, of course, we're recording on Monday. This will go out today. That'll be followed up on Wednesday with our spring training show today being mostly covering the World Baseball Classic, which just finished up here. And then on Thursday, we are going to do our, you know, kind of our formal, our old preseason predictions show, but a little bit more casual on a live stream, 7 o'clock Eastern this week and we're going to have so far we've got two we might be adding a few more people but we've got two great guests and we're going to have matt from the bat flip podcast and we're going to have kevin wilson from belly up fantasy in to give their thoughts and their opinions before things get started this year so we'll be there we'll live react to the game brandon i think we might be able to sip some sour grapes if that's up with you up with you yeah that was the segment i was looking forward to and haven't gotten a chance to do yet um, I am so down. Um, and of course, our two guests that we have booked for Thursday, they are friends of the show. You've heard them uh, before. We had a Kevin Wilson on to talk fantasy last year, um, right at the beginning of the season. And then, of course, Matt from the Bat Flip podcast we've had on a couple of times. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm really excited. I think the live streams will be really nice because 
it'll be interactive. You know, we want all of you listeners to join and just ask us questions in the in in the in the live chat. We're we're just going to be sitting there live reacting to whatever game uh, games I should say are, are on at that point during the day. Um, don't, ask you, so, don't ask me what's on that day. Oh, I'm blanking out already. I know all 30 teams do play on Thursday. And um, yeah, but seven was spit for a specific one. Um, whatever the primetime game is, that's what we're in for. White Sox Astros. White Sox Astros. Uh, but you'll get to hear. LJ and I's thoughts on the Yankees and Red Sox, respectively, how they played that day. And uh, should be a lot of fun just to sit down and just kind of very laid back, you know, with the live stream type of uh, show. And, of course, that will also be uploaded to our podcast feed. So if you're not able to catch the live stream, you'll be able to go back and listen. Uh, But, yeah, very excited for that. And we're thinking – one live stream a week and then two pre-recorded episodes making it three pieces of content we're dropping for you per week and then of course you can find clips and all the other fun stuff from the shows on our TikTok and YouTube, Instagram, all those social medias as well. So, very excited. That's great. Well, let's get on into things here because the World Baseball Classic just finished up and of course, you know, I would categorize this as a massive success for baseball here. You have this massive competition spanning the entire baseball world, all the way from whether it's Asia, the Caribbean, the United States, everyone got a piece of it, not just from being a team, but being able to go and be supporters to go and have games hosted. There is just such a massive thing for the sport, for the brand. And overall, I think baseball or the world baseball classic, everyone running it, did a great job of making this a success and easily was the biggest event of the year so far and might be one of the biggest events all year. Yeah. And I think the most important stat that I saw was that the semifinal Cuba versus Japan was, or sorry, it was, it was Mexico in the semifinal versus Japan. Uh, that was the second most watched, baseball game ever and the final usa versus japan which we're going to get to next was the most watched baseball game ever so in terms of growing the sport getting people involved and really the young audience is what the main uh focus is here because you know we're always talking about growing the game and it starts with the younger audiences baseball is one of the only sports who's average audience is the the age goes up year after year and that's obviously not good for the future health of the sport so uh, i just think it's it's an amazing event to be fully invested in it like i was this year uh not saying i wasn't in 2017 but i was a lot younger didn't have a real it was different and the, the tournament was different then too right yeah um here we are in a situation where especially compared to 2017 or any of the ones that came before the star power was just different. I mean, I know you wanted to talk about here, the Dominican Republic and their disappointments, but whether or no matter what you think about their actual performance, you have to respect the fact that everybody showed up for them. Everybody showed up for South Korea. Everybody showed up for team Japan. Almost every single position player you could have asked for from the United States made their way onto this team too. 
there is a clear there's a clear show of dedication and a responsibility of service to your country that's shown in a lot of these countries and it's taken a next level here with the world baseball classic this year that's what made things so special yeah absolutely and i'll touch on the my little thing with the dominican republic now probably the biggest failure of the tournament they were the odds-on favorite heading into the tournament to win they don't even make it out of their group as they go two and two uh in what i was kind of calling the group of death uh venezuela puerto rico and the dominican republic all in the same group uh, i don't like i do understand with the soccer world cup there's always one of those groups that is like some really good team is going to get left out and then another team that's talent wise not as good and another group is going to get through i get that but i feel like there was there could have been a better way to organize the groups just in my opinion i don't know i feel like i just don't like see it i mean just not because not because there shouldn't be because you are 100 right this is more than a group of death getting those three teams together shouldn't have happened based on talent yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like talent wise, I want to see the best teams playing in the knockout round just because that's when more people are going to be watching anyway. But the issue here, Brandon, is the fact that we don't have the same robust international culture in baseball as we do in soccer. In soccer, every single FIFA level national team is ranked into the 200s. Like they have that data, they're able to while it's not always the best system, mathematically calculate what the wins and losses and quality of win and quality of loss mean for these teams to get them into some sort of ballpark. Again, it's not the end-all be-all, but it's a ballpark of where these teams are. If you're a top eight or top 10 country or a top eight or a top 10 country, inside there it kind of, you know, you can it gets muddled. But for the most part, it gets them into the right positions to be able to put together groups. Whereas with baseball, all you have is last year's worst, or excuse me, the last World Baseball Classic. You don't have the data that's required to be able to adequately rank these people unless it's incredibly subjective from a committee. And when have we ever seen that work well? Yeah, that is true. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to push back a little because we did see in the 2021 Olympics, there was baseball in in that and while it wasn't of course the same level of players because it took place like during the middle of the mlb season you know we still got a usa japan gold medal game which japan ended up winning um little foreshadowing for this world baseball classic i guess but um yeah you it, it is a good comparison though because in soccer there's a lot of other tournaments the team more or less stays the same in these uh international like friendlies and other tournaments that they're trying you to get at least more. 10 matches a year no matter what right yeah whereas in this it's you know next world baseball classic isn't until 2026 we'll have qualifiers sure but that's not the biggest indicator so i do agree but more on the dominican republic and i guess I mean, for the talent that they had, it was pretty surprising for them to only win two games. Um, but I will say that the Dominican Republic versus Puerto Rico 
winner goes home when, uh, or sorry, winner advances, loser goes home. Uh, that was an awesome game. Uh, and that, that was just something that you could tell from the beginning how crazy the crowd was in Miami. And really the crowds throughout the entire tournament were fantastic. Miami, Every game man. felt like game seven of the World Series times 100. Uh, the, the one game elimination, and especially in the knockout round, and then we did see it, of course, with the DR versus the PR. Um, it, it's just seeing how far some of these players go. I love just seeing the effort in the one game elimination. Everything feels like game seven. The manager's having to pull pitchers early just because they don't they don't know what what to do. I mean, it's you know, desperate times call for a desperate measures. It's a it's an awesome format. Um the like like I said my my only gripe was really with how pool D was with Venezuela, Puerto Rico and the Dominican all in the same group. But end of the day, one of the really good teams was going to get left out. We saw uh, South Korea didn't even advance through through the group stage either, who which was surprising to a lot of people as well. So, uh, yeah, that I honestly think um, as we move ahead into our next spot now to that, of course, the USA Japan final. That I think is my qualifier here. Is if you got out of the group stage that's the difference between a success and a failure for a tournament because so much can go wrong or right in a baseball game going in single elimination. Yes. You get the game seven, but you also get a lot of stuff that is incredibly unfair based on just the sheer luck of the sport. That's why seven games not only works, but it feels almost necessary for baseball. And so in a situation like this, that's not possible, but it's, you know, an issue. It's something you have to just deal with. The U.S. dealt pretty well with it. And, you know, as much as I'm disappointed, I can't be mad. You got out of the group really with little trouble. You had the one hiccup against Mexico, of course, but very little trouble otherwise. You get through the knockouts all the way to the final, and then you lose to easily the best team in this tournament. I don't think, you know, even if the DR had played well. I don't think they touched that Japan team. That Japan team had something special going, including mul- not just one or two, but multiple guys that were incredibly underrated going into this tournament and the best player in the world playing at his hardest and playing his heart out for his country. That honestly, I think is that conversation is where I'd like to start here real quick, because I think the best player in the world conversation just got stopped for five, at least the next five years minimum, because I don't see any of these new young guys getting into this conversation. It's a two horse race between Trout and Otani, and it was solved in these knockouts. Can you imagine if they were on the same team? I know it would be filthy. It'd be crazy. (laughs) It would be ridiculous, but we finally got that opportunity to see a head to head at bat between the two, which we'll get to in a minute, but, Leading up to that, here you have Shohei Otani, who you know showed up at the plate the entire Shohei up at the plate the entire tournament, never an issue there. Man decides I'm going to pitch and hit in this tournament in my spring training, the spot where teams are usually a little bit more uh, cautious with him. 
in particular because he's going to have such a workload. He puts the max workload on himself, starts the semifinal, and then comes in in relief in the final. Like, he gave it his all and proved it with his performance. That's the, that's the type of special performance that winners give. Meanwhile, Mike Trout effectively, you know, I think it's fair to call in a tournament like this, the not the uh, pool play is effectively a regular season type situation. You know, it's not the elimination game scenarios. It's not that type of energy. It's not that type of atmosphere. So looking just at the knockouts, having him had three pretty horrendous playoff games in his career from the quarterfinals on this man is three for 15 with eight strikeouts. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's more than just a tough day at the tough, tough week at the plate when you are counted on and you are widely considered. And honestly, you know, even if he had done fine throughout this tournament, I would have still considered him to be the, second best player in the world just because of how brilliant Shohei was at this tournament. It, you know, it sealed the deal for me, but at the same time, here you go and you throw an absolute dud up in your postseason, your high leverage, your legacy building moments, every single legacy building moment. Now he's put up a dud that's damning on his legacy. And it's damning on him in the conversation of being the best player in the world right now that was put to bed with and uncompetitive at bat against Shohei Otani, which I had goosebumps the whole time, Brandon. I'm sure you did too, but it was uncompetitive. There, there wasn't a pitch where I actually felt, oh man, Trout, you know, Trout could rip this one. He could not catch up to even make contact with those fastballs. And yes, it's 101, but you're the best player in the world, and you know, I've no better, no other better word to say then Otani threw him three dick high fastballs. Yes, they were 101 miles an hour, but as the best player in the world, you should be able to catch up to that. No, when it's right in your wheelhouse. Yeah. He, he knew he missed the one, times. the one that he swung and missed that for strike two. He knew that he missed that one, but then that like wipeout slider to end it. I, I don't think anyone's really hitting that. And well, I do agree. Yeah. In the big game in the big, in the big moment, trout um didn't come through you know we 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 can't overstate the fact that or understate the fact that like he still had a 962 ops for the tournament he still he didn't come up in any of the big moments no but you know he's still at seven rbi this is a situation where we are at a nitpicking point in trout's career in his legacy is is averaging one rbi per per uh game that like that bad for Brandon for... you're 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 lowering the bar for this man just I don't, I'm not sure if it's you know necessarily to keep childhood dreams alive what it is but we're at a nitpicking point that was that was a little uncalled for I'm sorry but um we're at a nitpicking point in his legacy he is up there statistically among the greats and it's now time to decide whether this guy is in the conversation of first ballot Hall of Famer or or Hall of Famer or Babe Ruth. First ballot Hall of Famer or Hank Aaron. It's 100% a great honor and well-deserved to be in, you know, he can easily be a first ballot Hall of Famer, glory to him, everything. 
but he's still not in that Mount Rushmore pantheon type conversation among baseball greats. And these are the legacy building moments that he's come up small in and effectively keeps him out of that in my eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, LJ, do we want to get on to uh, the next, our next topic here? Absolutely. Now up to bat world baseball, classic injuries. This was a heated conversation among Twitter over the last couple of weeks. Basically anytime anyone got a bruise, anytime anybody hit, hit their funny bone, people were calling for this tournament to be canceled. Now I'm not sure why people just very much like there's a small subsect of baseball culture that despises this tournament. No, no, it's not just this tournament. They hate everything. They all they do is watch baseball, but but they hate every second of it. Is 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 how it should be put. It's just they complain about because... rule changes. They complain about the luxury tax. They complain about practically everything that you could complain about. It's like it, 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 at what point do you enjoy watching baseball? Because if you're just there to complain, like well, what is the point? Like. Yeah, and it's like, you know, this is has such an opportunity and proved, earned on that opportunity to be a really cool showing of just how great and just how unifying baseball can be. And people just don't want to appreciate that just for the sake of being miserable sometimes. And they're, you listen in, their points make no sense. Like, they're like, these guys should be focused on the teams paying them millions of dollars, not their country that you're never going to win me on that argument. You're never going to win me over because, you know, this country has also given you the opportunity to make those millions of dollars. You should be serving it. As far as I'm concerned with talking about the guys who didn't show up, there's no excuse. Unless you are actively injured. Like I'll give a Nestor Cortez is the perfect example of this. Nestor Cortez, hundred percent going to do it. I'm team Puerto Rico or team DR. I forget. Team USA. Was he US? Oh my gosh, he was US. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure how I got that uh, turned around. Team USA gets hurt. You know, ended up being just like a bump bruise type situation in spring training. Drops out. I get that because at the end of the day, you know, your season is coming right up and you do have to look out for that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, if you're not actively hurt, what reason do you have? What it, The fear of being hurt should not keep you from doing something like this because you can get hurt just as easily doing any other portion of this job. You can do this easily in spring training. I think the two um, best examples of this are Edwin Diaz, which I'll let you touch on in a second, and Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve, in particular, people were up in arms like he'd never get hurt if he didn't he got hurt because he was playing in this stupid tournament that doesn't pay him anything. And first off, not everything's about the money, which kind of finalizes our last segment there. But also any number of pitchers could have run him in by accident with a fastball and hit him in the hand in a spring training game. Honestly, because those guys aren't as locked in, aren't as focused. And like the, these guys are all ramped up a little bit more. So they're probably sharper than most pitchers out in spring training right now because of that i would say it's probably more likely for a guy to get hit and break his hand like jose altuve did in spring training than it ever would be in the world baseball classic 
and Edwin Diaz is in a similar state. Yeah, and, you know, it's so – it was really making me mad when these – when people were like, oh, it's just an ex- – these are just exhibition games. Like, it's just a, just a random tournament. You know, we should have the tournament right after the World Series. Like, first of all, no. Like, do we – like, should – like, these guys – deserve a break after yeah, that's, a- that that point it's exhausting yeah like, like a nice warm-up it like the tournament was in the perfect time first of all second of all for all the people mad that edwin diaz like yeah he got hurt celebrating okay first of all guys get hurt in the dumbest ways possible in every sport need i mention wasn't Did we it- forget about Fernando Tatis in the in the motorcycle? Like, is that a long gone thing? Like, did we forget about that? Did we forget about Madison Bumgarner in 2017? And like the what was it? He it was some it was like an ATV. There was some horseback thing or something. Uh, it was like, ATV, I believe. There was. Uh, you're it, forgetting the big one here, which is Joanna Cespedes back in <laughs> 2021 getting attacked by the boar in Florida. And it's look, injuries are gonna happen. I've seen in the NFL guys get injured like celebrating a sack all the time. I think Justin Houston, it was the guy a couple years ago who was like the big who was uh the big injury. Well, this is the exact same thing as Jimmy Garoppolo, as far as I'm concerned. Jimmy Garoppolo, when he tore his ACL, that kind of you know may or may not have derailed his career, that guy he was it was a non-contact injury non-contact injuries like that just like diaz those are going to happen sooner rather than later had he not pitched in the world baseball classic there's a you know there's a good chance he doesn't make it through april may without having this become an issue because that tendon is just it, it's not okay and it's not going to just suddenly become okay right and i just look these guys are out there representing their country. All the players who played in this tournament said that it was one of the most important things that they've done, the most important games they've played in in their career. Uh, Trey Turner, I mean, for a guy who's won a World Series and played in Game 7 of the World Series, said the the home runs that that he hit, the uh, go-ahead Grand Slam, that that's the most important hit of his career. it clearly means a lot to these guys and f- for some Twitter folk to just try and take the tournament down because they're salty that one of their players on the team that they support got hurt. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know what to, what to tell you. And you bring up a really g- good point here, a good quote to lead into our final topic of the day here. Now up to bat, World Baseball Classic winners and losers for the next minute or so. We'll tr- I'll try my best to keep some of these explanations brief, but we're going to toss around the, some winners and some losers that we've had of this World Baseball Classic. And I'm going to start with my first one, the biggest one in my eyes, Trey Turner. This is a guy everybody who's listened to this show knows. I have been highly critical of Trey Turner throughout his career, based largely around the fact that here's a guy with the superstar talent that has never really, maybe not, it's not that he hasn't shown it, but he's never blossomed into the face 
of a team. He certainly wasn't the face of the Dodgers. He somehow got passed up by a Tony Rondon to be the face of that Nationals team, which feels inexplicable when you look at Tony Rondon. And hey, Tony. <laughs> um, and so I largely doubted. I'm like, is this guy truly just you know all talent and no production? Like he has to you know show something in the big minutes. And then all of a sudden he came out in, in this tournament like gangbusters. This was a real chance for people to get true eyes on him. It was a chance for me, even though I've watched him so many times, to really focus in on him. And what a tournament was. What fun it was to watch him. My perspective on Trey Turner, total total shift from a year ago, from a month ago. A month ago, I'd still be making those same takes. Overrated, you know, kind of just a speed merchant out there for to an extent but now we go back a couple days ago i drafted him 10th overall in my fantasy draft like <laughs> you know that wouldn't have happened come a month earlier that's what the type of thing that a tournament like this can do for a guy yeah i agree trey turner would have been one of my picks we already touched on shohei otani we don't need to you know go over what he did it was he had the most innings pitched the most Played appearances, uh, one best pitcher, best hitter, tournament MVP. We know that. LJ, my guy, how about Randy Arozarena? I mean, he, in the big moment, in the big games, this guy is unbelievable. His career playoff stats in the MLB are ridiculous. Of course, remember what he did in that 2020 World Series and really that whole playoffs. And then this tournament. 20 at-bats, a 1.5 OPS, you know, 450 batting average, 607 on-base percentage, uh, more walks than strikeouts. He is – LJ, like I, I know I don't want to throw anything out there, but I, if you were making an all-clutch – team in the MLB it's it's you got to put Randy Rosarena on there he is just such a proven track record of in the big games showing up yeah and that that's gonna get you paid too it doesn't you know yes your regular season record he's also very good in the regular season he's good he goes he goes from very good to great in that difference and that's what ultimately will get a guy paid he 100% had a huge you know plus for his legacy being able to say, you know, baseball, it's such an individual sport that you don't get that this argument, but it's still always in the back of your head. Is this more of a team thing that he's getting put into these positions to come up big with the Rays, or is this a him thing? And then all of a sudden you go and see him perform just as good as he ever has in the playoffs with the Rays, if not better, with Mexico. That's just big stuff. This man officially has developed the reputation, and you fear that sombrero now. Oh yeah. I mean that was so that was so cool when he walked out there pregame with the sombrero on. Come on, it's awesome. Now my loser here before we wrap up, Nike. Okay. You know you know that you knew this had to come up. That Great Britain jersey might have been the worst jersey I've ever seen. Like I've had I have some issues with jerseys in this tournament, mainly Adidas ripping off the Boston City Connect jersey for Venezuela. It's the exact same thing, exact same font. Go look at the two side by side. It's honestly ridiculous. But this is even worse because it looks like they tried to go for this, oh, let's go with the good old classic 
you know, old time baseball jersey. And then they forgot that they had to do it for months on end and then just screen printed some words onto the front of a shirt. That looks like the jersey when you like go to your local like sports store and you're like, hey, like we lost the jerseys, like we need the some some jerseys for our game in like four hours. And they're like, okay, aerial font, boom, throw it on the front of a gray jersey. Brandon, this is when you go into if if MLB the show had create a club, this would be the opening jersey before you design the actual jersey. Oh, they do in 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 a diamond dynasty mode. Yeah, you, get to, okay. you start with your plain jersey, and that is it, it looks very similar. Exactly, and it's just it's such a shame that they got stuck with this. I mean, it's shame on Nike because this was a massive tournament for Great Britain in terms of getting respect for the sport from both the government and from the fan base that they're trying to create in Great Britain. And they did everything in their power to be successful with that from their play on the field. And then you look at them and it looks like a joke as they're doing it because their jerseys are so horrendous. Like that's the disappointment is it takes away from everything they did on the field because what they did on the field, if we had more time, they would have been my second winner because here's a team that needs to be successful and win games here to both build their fan base and get funding for their program. So they can continue to build their fan base. And they came out and did more than they needed to, to be successful in this tournament. And we're still, we still have to talk about this. My loser. And I hate to, to do this because I love watching this guy play, but uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Julio Rodriguez, unfortunately, Um, you know, just one rookie of the year, but, Struck out nine times and struck out nine times in eight appearances. Brandon has appeared to um, have some technical difficulties. So, and he's back. Uh, I don't know what just happened. Um, yeah, Julio Rodriguez. Streamyard hated your take so much. That yeah, it, it literally out. just like kicked really? me out. I don't know what happened. Um, yeah. LJ, nine strikeouts and 18 at-bats to go along with the Dominican Republic team that struck out at 29% of all their plate appearances as a team. Uh, yeah, not not the best showing from, from him. No, it's disappointing. Not every – but that's part of the uh, nature of this tournament, I guess, is not everyone is primed to start the season. We are talking about, mind you, and it'll be interested – I'll be interested to see if this is a pattern going forward. Julio Rodriguez had an awful start to the year last year. Yes, that's right. Part of it was him getting absolutely gypped by the umps. Like those spray charts of where he got called for strike three was ridiculous. But I think part of it might be that this guy's eye does not catch up as quick as you'd expect it to. Like once you get get him to May, June – and he's going to take off running and be an MVP candidate this year. But there's a decent argument to say, should we be worried about April Julio Rodriguez? And that's stuff we'll, we'll be able to get to on uh, our show on Wednesday and, of course, Thursday as well. But, uh, yeah, LJ, you have you have anything else? or No, I'm very excited for this new opportunity. 
give you guys a ton of more fun new content, and we're glad that you're here with us on the ride. So in the meantime, if you haven't, we of course are in the middle of the rebrand across all of our accounts to at the Bob, the B-O-B, the batting order beat. At the Bob Belly Up is our new handle. It is currently on Twitter. It will be on Instagram, TikTok. We'll figure out, we might end up with a new YouTube, but we will, of course, keep people posted on that as we go. And so, you know, go hype us up if you liked this first episode of the new show. It would mean a lot. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you Wednesday. See ya.